Hey, I want to start a new series tonight called Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life. I'm going to do the way tonight, and then in a couple of weeks, I'll finish it with the other two. Next Wednesday is something that has never happened at JG in the history of JG. Taylor Perky is our guest speaker next week, and so you want to come next week and hear that. It's going to be amazing. Uh, uh, he's been a longtime friend, and I finally, I, I would say that I talked him into it, but I told him into it. You're going to do this. So here's our foundation scripture. In John, it says, Thomas asked Jesus, Master, uh, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know when we're there? Watch what Jesus says to him. Jesus explained, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Tonight is the way. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know the Father. Your first feeling is that Jesus was the full demonstration of his father. We've done that in another series. The, and one of the things that's want, and am I standing in the way of that? Am I making it fun for you? <laughs> I don't make a very good window. Good door, but not a good window. One of the things that I noticed about just people in general, not necessarily your generation, a younger or old generation, but what I've discovered in everybody's life, including my own, is that what is our purpose for living? And in, in, in determining your purpose for your living, then you have to decide what causes me to live the way that I live. And let's take it a step further. What causes me to live for Jesus? What causes me to live for the Lord? And I think I'm going to answer that tonight. Jesus revealed exactly his father's wants for us. And that want is one thing, a relationship with him. That was the sole reason Jesus came to the earth. Not to get people to work for him, not even to get disciples, well, I guess in a way. But he wanted, us to, to, he wanted to reveal to us the heart of his father to know us as sons and daughters. That's the primary purpose of, his, of our lives is to be sons and daughters. God demonstrated his passion to have us with him through Jesus. So when Jesus is telling Thomas, Thomas, I'm the way and I'm the truth and the life, he's revealing the plan in the heart of God for all humanity for all time. The cool part is that this is not just to believers. This is not just to people that go to church. This is not to just Americans. This is for everybody that has ever been on the planet. Now think about it real quick as Jesus being the way and the truth and the life. Has anybody been talking ever like talk smack about one of your like your little brother or your little sister or your oh your mom or your dad? Can you, anybody ever heard somebody talking smack about your mom? Oh Johnny got a fist with your name. I mean, you don't talk about people's relatives, right? So when we talk about Jesus being the way to the Father, God... It's all right. Don't worry about it, bro. He sends me messages back there like my, my bangs are messed up. And I'm sorry, you know, fix them real quick. So I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> so when, when Jesus is saying, I'm the way to God, he's not being exclusive. He's being inclusive to the family in the heart of his Father. So when people say, is Jesus the only way, that's not being, being narrow-minded. That's saying that's the true heart of God. Jesus is the true heart of the Father. He was the full demonstration of him that God wanted you so badly that he sent a son. So, what, in the, and it, so when we talk about smack about Jesus, or you're talking smack about the Son of God, let's, let's keep going. So in Jeremiah, let me read this to you. Jeremiah, before I formed you, in the womb. This is talking to Jeremiah, but it's also talking to us. I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. 
What's God's plan for my life? What's Jesus the way in my life? That God set you apart. When? When you accepted him as Savior. When you started going to church. When you were a little kid in Sunday school. Now the Bible says through Jeremiah that when you were before, not just even when you were in your mama's tummy, before you were in your mom's tummy, I set you apart. And to Jeremiah, he says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. That God has a direction for our lives through Jesus before we even have a single thought of it. That before you could even say the word dada or mama or whatever it was, before you could even say the first thing, that God had a direction and a plan for your life. I remember being a, speaking of dada and mama. How many of y'all have fun names for your, uh, for your uh, grandma or whatever, like Peepaw or Mama or Gigi or stuff like that? We were at a youth rally one time, and this guy was talking about his little grandson and that they had decided that his name was Papa, except his little grandson couldn't say Papa. No, it came out caca, which is not bad when you're around family. But he said, but you be in the middle of Home Depot and your little grandson's hollering, caca, where are you? Yeah, he said, that's who I am. I'm caca. <laughs> if you don't know in Spanish, that's a way of saying poop. <laughs> yeah, that was him, caca. But I don't even know what brought me on that. So that Jesus, that God gives directions for our lives through Jesus. The next thing, that the details will never know have already been planned out perfectly for our lives through Jesus. Do you know that there's things about your life, the plans that God has for your life and that he's already done in your life, the things that he, the life he has for you to live, there are so many minute details that you don't even, we don't even know a fraction of what he has for us. If you think about your phone, I didn't bring my phone up here. Does somebody have their phone with them? Just hold it up. Anybody got their phone? Shall I go? Okay, who knows how that thing works? I'm talking about the insides of it. Anybody got a, any clue on the insides? Well, you know it's got a camera. You know it's got a screen. You know it's got speakers. But do you really know how that, thing's wor- that thing works? Most of us really don't know how it works. If we took it apart, maybe you would know some of the components. But do you know what they do, how they're connected? But somebody does know how that works. The developer knows how that works. The developer of that Samsung or that iPhone or whatever, that Sony, whatever you have, the developer knows every single detail of your phone and they've got it so much that they've narrowed it down to these minor microscopic pieces that function all together. And have you ever had a phone that didn't work? You were ticked, right? Because one little thing could go wrong and then that phone doesn't function. All the details of your phone, the developer knew what they were doing and put those details together. How much more, listen, how much more detailed is your life? How much more intricate is your life? That God, the developer, that's your next villain. The developer doesn't miss a single detail. That when it comes to your life, that God's plan for your life to know Jesus, to know the Father, is so detailed that only He knows all the little pieces that work together. If you opened up your life, you're like, I don't know what all this is, but He does. He knows every single piece. John 10.10 talks about, Jesus talks about what His purpose is, and He says a thief, the enemy, only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter and destroy. But Jesus says, but Jesus says, I have come, to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullest. And the kind of life he said is life that overflows inside of you. 
So when we're talking about Jesus being the way, that in my life, the way that he wants for me is more than I can imagine. Abundant life, a life that overflows. Your next fill-in, Jesus is fully committed to every path in my life to its fullest, to the point that it overflows. You know what we're conditioned to, to think? We're conditioned to think, and I'm going to get to this in a second, that our lives are piecemeal, that they're barely being held together, that the details at any point could just go off kilter and we would just be in a ditch. But that's not, that's not the truth. That's not God's heart for our lives. That God's heart for our lives is that he has planned out every single detail as the developer of our life. And Jesus saying, I'm the way. He's saying that I'm the way to your life because in your life, I want you to have so much of it till it overflows. Till it's more than enough. That no one loves my life more than Jesus. So when we, when we say that Jesus is the way... No one loves my life the way that it can, it's supposed to be designed by him. No one loves my life more than he loves it. Hebrews 12, 2 talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In Hebrew, the same thing in the, in the uh, Passion says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze upon Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. That's a lot to take in, but let me boil it down to one thing, that Jesus is fully committed to completing every part of your life that he has designed. Everything that he has for you, he's fully committed to completing it. That my eyes are fixed on something when it comes to the details of my life. Here's the part that's interesting about life, is that nobody, no matter what they profess or what they believe, doesn't already have their eyes fixed on something. So then we decide, is my, are my eyes fixed on things that, that are temporary, things that don't fulfill, things that don't bring life, or are my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter and the pioneer of my life? It's been... A bit interesting this week because in Twitter, and you may not know this because you guys are, are younger, but a few years ago there was two, a couple of big name Christian people in Christian circles, songwriter and an author. Well, in recent history, these two guys who've made millions, that always makes you great from listening to what I'm about to say, who've made millions, decide to come out on Twitter, both of them at different times, that they just don't believe in God anymore. They just don't follow the things of God, which is, I guess, their prerogative. But it's interesting that you have to tweet that as well. That you have to put it out in everybody's face who's bought your album and your book that now you don't even believe what you wrote or what you, what you composed. I, I, I'm, I have pity for them. I, I pray for them. But it's interesting that in their lives they had to come to a place. And can I just be honest with you? Taylor and I were working out the other morning, and he got an earful from me. And he's like, he's like Do, am I ever around you, Jonathan? You don't start preaching to me, but he's a good audience. I said, do you know why they're, Taylor, I said, monkey man, you know why it was easy for them to walk away from the things of God? Because it never cost them anything. 
They never, had to, they never had to believe God and fight for God for the little things in their life. They stepped into what other people had already done and trusted God with and busted their rear ends for and, and did without and, and made stuff happen with nothing. They never had to do that. So when they waltzed into what somebody stood in faith for, and you know, one of them was the, the leaders of Hillsong, Brian and Bobby Houston, I'm like, Brian and Bobby Houston, I promise you aren't going to walk away from the Lord because without a shadow of a doubt, they look at everything that God has done through Hillsong and they're is no question in their minds that God did it all. You know, a lot of people come to our church and our facility, and they may not think much of it, but let me just let you know, darling, there's very few times that I don't come on this property that I don't have immense gratitude for everything that's here. And it's not anything crazy special. It's certainly not the size of other churches, but make no mistake, everything you see, we believe God for to the fullest. Every single thing you see. And if that's your life, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. If that's your life, whether it's your family or your parents or your siblings or whatever God's doing in your life, that you can say, God, I have had to believe God and trust God and stand in faith for everything that God has given me. Let me just let you know something, darling. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. Let me keep going. <laughs> the moment that I think that I know what I'm doing is the moment that I've lost control. That when it comes to Jesus being the way in my life, the moment that I think that I have arrived, the moment that I think that I, that I have no need of the Son of God, somebody help me, the moment that I think that I've got all my ducks in a row and that I can pioneer and I can navigate this by myself, make no mistake, that is the moment that I've lost control. Don't ever be ashamed of saying, Jesus, I need you in every moment of my life. Jesus, I need you in every single step of my life. Psalm 39.6 says, we live our lives like those living in a shadow. This is real interesting. I want you all to catch this. I, I had not read this that I re recollect until to this morning. We live our lives like living in a shadow. All of our activities and energies are spent on things that pass away. We gather, we hoard, we cling to our things only to leave them all behind to who knows who. But watch the next verse. And now, God, I'm left with one conclusion. My only hope is to hope in you alone. That the psalmist right here, he said, I've realized that I gather and hoard and pile things toward myself, but I've realized that I only have one hope, that Jesus is the way in my life. I want to show you something real quick. A guy named Simon Sinek was on a, on a broadcast called The Blaze. He's referencing in this short little clip I'm going to show you the shootings that have happened in recent history. It's interesting because just last week I talked about the school shootings as well. I want you to tie together this with Simon Sinek. Go ahead, monkey man. It can be dangerous. Our cell phones are great. They're wonderful machines, but out of balance, like all addiction, uh, eventually we will waste resources, waste time, and destroy relationships. I, I took a photograph yesterday. I was sitting, sitting next to a couple at, at a restaurant, and the entire time the couple was, they were both on their tooth on I their phones. That. I hate I, One was on Facebook. The other was, was looking at filters on Instagram. I don't know what. But, uh, and they were out for dinner with each other. I mean, I understand that there's other people texting, but right now you're with the person you want to be with. And so I actually held up my phone to take a picture of them, and they didn't even notice me taking a picture of them, which I thought was um, amazing. But the point is, is that the, these, these out of balance, the, his, the, they have addictive qualities. 
And so the concern is uh, that as teenagers, as they go through adolescence, like alcohol, they have social media and they have their phones and they accidentally are forming neural connections where when they're going through times of stress and they should be relying on each other, they're turning to uh, Machine. machines. The fear is that, uh, that that will develop into addiction and will, you know, it'll exaggerate as we, as we move forwards in time. Um, we're already starting to see a rise in, in uh, suicides, for example. I mean, this affects all generations. The mm-hmm. CDC announced about a year ago that more boomers now die from suicide than car accidents, right? In other words, what we're seeing is a rise of loneliness and isolation. No one kills themselves when they're hungry. We kill ourselves when we're isolated. And we act out as well. In the 1960s, there was one school shooting. In the 1980s, there were 27. In the 1990s, there were 58. In the past decade, there have been over 120. See, this has nothing to do with guns. This has to do with people feeling I may hug you. Lonely. Let's hug it out. I may hug you. Okay. Thank you for actually saying that. It's, it's society. Something it's, is missing in us. Correct. There have been guns forever. When in the 1960s, a kid could go into a store and buy a gun. They didn't and, use it. And there's something missing in us. The gun lobby us. and the anti-gun lobby, or the however they want to define themselves, would, would best serve society instead of throwing rocks at each other actually sat down together and figure out how do we combat the loneliness that kids are feeling. 70% of... When God is all you have, you have all you need. That It's interesting, and if you don't know, I work in the schools. I'm a high school teacher. It's interesting that we've seen the rise of mass shootings in schools and other places. And last week we paralleled it to lack of fathers. I think what Simon is saying as well, that it's lo- if you look at those ones that perpetrate these, that they're, that they're lonely, empty individuals and, and, and you know, mentally ill in many ways. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. But what, that's, that's the byproduct. Mental illness is the byproduct. The, the root is, is lonely. If you, take that, if you take that a layer deeper, what is loneliness from? Loneliness is from somebody that doesn't feel that their life has any worth. That their life doesn't have any value. <clears throat> that that if, you, if we're honest, th- there are people that think, I could be here, I couldn't be here, and it wouldn't even matter. W- what, is that, what does that come from? It comes from somebody that doesn't know the God who says, before you were in your mother, mother's womb, I formed you. It's that individual that, that doesn't know Jesus saying, I am the way. And in saying that, Jesus saying, I am the way to, to your life. Never let your heart worry about your life. If we're honest, many, many of us, and through various forms throughout the days and weeks of our lives, worry about our lives and the circumstances of our lives. It's just an, it's a normal byproduct of living in this world. But don't let your, let your heart, listen to what it says in Matthew. This is Jesus saying, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body 
more than clothing. We're trying to figure out something that's already been taken care of. Jesus refers to food and meals and clothing. He's not literally talking about that. He's not, he's not talking about a, a Chick-fil-A meal. He's not talking about vans. He's, not talking, he's, not, he's, he's making a reference. He's saying that we're concerned about stuff that doesn't add to our lives that doesn't matter to our lives. He's saying that your life has already been taken care of. That when you live in me, Jesus is saying, when you live in me and you live in my Father, then I've already taken care of the details in your life. How many of you right now in the last, I've been speaking for about 24 minutes, how many have you have worried about milk being in your refrigerator? How many of you have milk in your refrigerator right now? How many of you worry about cereal? Anybody in the last 24 minutes worried about cereal? Yeah, y'all are weird. <laughs> they're worried about when they're going to get to eat cereal. But how many of you are worried about not having cereal in your home? But how many of you have cereal in your home right now, if you're into cereal? How many, how many of you have worried, worried about, uh, anybody eat sandwiches in here? Any, worried about bread? Anybody, anybody just been bent over with concern saying, I hope we've got some Miss Barrett's. <gasps> Text my mom real quick. Are there Miss, is Miss Barrett's there? I mean, not the woman. Is the bread there? Anybody, who's fan, fans of white bread? Right. Who's fans of wheat bread? White bread's where it's at. Right? <laughs> All that white flour turns into sugars is what J Jacob would tell me. But nobody, nobody in here worried about bread. You didn't worry about milk. You didn't worry about cereal. Why? Because you have it. It's at home available. Nobody's sitting around worried about little details in their life. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, your life is way much more important than a loaf of bread. Your life is way, much more, way more important than a gallon of milk. You've, not, you've, given, you've given yourself the ability to live in faith that that's going to be there. And if it's not there, then we'll run by QT and get some more. He's saying, now do that with your life. Now do that with the details of your life. Now that, here, listen to me on this, now do that with the things that you're concerned about, that you're burdened about. Turn, turn the burdens, turn the concerns, turn the overwhelmed feelings, turn those into Captain Crunch. Turn all the things that, that make you over and over in your mind, worry, turn that into whole milk. All decent people drink whole milk. 2% is like white water. <laughs> and then that no fat, why bother? Just put water straight on it. Don't even get it. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> this morning in the middle of writing this message, you may have saw this as well, I realized it was raining outside. And if you're an old man like me, you got excited. Not because it was raining. Well, it was, it was raining but because it was watering my lawn. So I'll tell you what old men do. They go outside with their phone, sideways, <laughs> and they tape it. I was so happy about the rain. Look at that. There's, see, I had already start, almost started watering, and then it started raining. And then I did a Jesus dance. And my neighbor said, go back inside. 
Why? Because you, you get to a place where you start celebrating the things God takes care of, the things he's attentive to. Can, can I close with this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to show you this real quick video, and then I'm going to tell you what she's saying. Can I, can I tell you why we struggle with Jesus being the way in our lives? Can I tell you why? Because we're under attack. What, her, name is, her name is Kim. She goes by Straight Talk Kim. Great, great woman to follow on uh, Twitter. Watch it's, it's about a, a, a 50 second clip. About halfway through, she gets to what I want you to say. I just played the whole thing, but take a look. Some of you are in a season where you've allowed mediocrity and brokenness to keep you stuck in that place. And God is saying, I need you to get up and begin to walk into your calling. I need you to jump. You thought you were invisible, but that was only the enemy. Because once you get yourself right and begin to jump into places that you ain't comfortable with, I'm going to open the windows of heaven over your life. And people are going to be saying, who are you and where did you come from? Because the enemy does not fight people that are weak. He's not knocking on your door because you ain't got nothing, honey. You need to start praying at night, Father. Allow me to see what the enemy sees in me. Because there must be something powerful. Because as soon as I take 10 steps forward, I got to go back 20 steps, God. I know there's something on the inside of me. And I've been playing a victim for long enough. You want to know why you're under attack? Because there's a treasure sitting on the inside of you. If it wasn't there, the enemy would leave you alone. If you don't need to raise your hand, but if you ever felt like God could anything else go wrong my way? Could anything else bombard my thoughts? Could anything else try to shake and rattle my faith? I said earlier, part of it's because we live in a fallen world. But you know what's really going on? You've been targeted. Your faith, your faith has been challenged because you've said yes to the way. Because your heart is saying, and we're going to sing it Sunday, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And when you, when you make that decision, with your life and with how you live, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you live a whole lot different than the, than the people of your age or around you? You're sitting in church on a Wednesday night. And when you make those decisions, like Kim says, that no matter what happens in my life, I, I've decided that I'm going to follow the Lord I didn't read it, but Jesus says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take my peace, I've overcome the world. Why would Jesus talk about peace if everything was perfect in his life? He had to use the same peace because he was under the same attacks. So if you've ever wondered, God, why... Why does it seem like everything comes against me? Against my mind, against my heart, against my friends, against relationships, against my parents, my family. If you've ever wondered, some of it is just plain old life. But darling, a lot of it is the enemy 
trying to wear you out because of the stance of faith you've had. That's okay. It's a life worth living. It's a life you'll never regret. I hate to say it, but those two men, they're almost my age, these two guys we're talking about that were on Twitter. They just got to a point where they just didn't think that this was the way to live. You know what the disciples told Jesus one time when he said, when a bunch of people walked away from him, he asked them, are you guys going to go too? And you know what they responded? We ain't got nowhere to go. What a great place to be. Let me pray for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I first want to ask this, and nobody's looking around, so I just want a sincere response. I'm not going to draw attention to you or even ask you to stand up or come to the front. I want to pray with you right where you're at. But two questions. The first question is this, is your life away from God? And you've heard what I've said tonight, and in your heart you said, you know what, Jonathan, could I ask Jesus into my life? You said, Jesus is the way. Well, I've realized over the last 33 minutes that I need the way. I want to pray for you right where you're at. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand where I can see it? No one's looking. Raise your hand where I can see it, and then you can put your hand right back down. The next question is this. Is your heart away from God? Maybe at one time you were serving the Lord, but it's not where it's supposed to be right now. And you say, Jonathan, could I have that prayer as well? I want to pray for you, Robert, you're at as well. Just simply raise, no one's looking around. Just raise your hand where I can see it, and then you can put it right back down. Jonathan, I need that prayer. Let's all say this, whether you raised your hand tonight or not. Let's all pray this prayer together. Just repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, that's right, say it out loud. Come into my life afresh and new. I make a decision to follow you all the days of my life and to live for you from this point forward. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe even if you didn't raise your hand, that's a good prayer to pray every day, no matter who you are. But let that prayer be tacked on to, I trust you with my life. I trust you with where you're taking me. I know you're causing good things to happen for me. That I don't have to feel lonely. I don't have to be deserted. I don't have to feel undone. But I know every detail of my life is held in your hands. Amen. Amen. Would you guys?